This week in KMA Land, transparency questions raised on Page County Turbine Project. Page County Supervisors of K. Rappart Bokrant, Montgomery County Board picks Pipeline Inspection Company. Shen Library Fireworks Show received forum donations. Bidders sought for Shen Demo Projects and suspects nabbed in Shen Feth Investigation. I'm Mike Peterson. The wind turbine issue is far from over in Page County as new questions regarding transparency arose this week. At its regular meeting Tuesday morning, the Page County Board of Supervisors fielded a barrage of questions from Gene Stimson regarding the county's communications with Invenergy officials. Stimson's questions come in the wake of the supervisor's two-to-one approval of the proposed Shenandoah Hills turbine project earlier this month. While claiming transparency isn't in Venergy's forte, Stimson says it should be for county officials. Specifically, Stimson inquired about the methods Invenergy uses to contact the county and whether they communicate with each of the supervisors. Supervisors Chair Alan Armstrong says he's received both emails and phone calls from company officials in the past, but he's unsure whether Invenergy corresponds with the other supervisors. It gets very confusing with the rec- recommendations and, and requirements that we have to jump through to make sure we don't talk to one and not the other and, and make sure everybody hears. So I'll be glad if I get anything in the future, I'll be glad to share it, make sure it's shared. I think it is, but I don't know. Armstrong disclosed he's communicated with attorneys with Ehlers and Cooney regarding the project's mission plans and road use agreement, as well as turbine decommissioning provisions. Armstrong says Ehlers and Cooney lawyer Maria Brownell is expected to present information to the board regarding decommissioning in the future. Stimson, however, raised questions regarding unresolved issues, such as whether one of the proposed turbines violates the county's ordinance with its close proximity to the Wabash Trace. We've been putting the ordinance up here for everything. Then if it's against the ordinance, it's it's out. Because Invenergy points back to the ordinance whenever they want to and you guys do, and I'm pointing to the ordinance now that 5.5 miles, are, and it's, it's under that. Armstrong replied he would be glad to respond to Stimson's email with specific questions regarding the county's turbine ordinance. However, he indicated there's limits as to what information he can share. I have to be so very, very cautious of, of how I say and state things because of the confidentiality, the way things are handled, the threat or the the concern of possible litigation from their point. You know, we just have to be very cautious to make sure that something isn't said that could be misconstrued or twisted around or repeated incorrectly. So it's very confusing. I wish it was a lot simpler than this, but it's not. Supervisor Jacob Holmes, who cast the loan dissenting vote against the project's application, says he's received no emails or phone calls from Invenergy. Rat Park Recreation Area is getting a new boat ramp, but not after considerable debate at Tuesday's Page County Board of Supervisors meeting. By a two-to-one vote, the supervisors approved Page County Conservation's request to use American Rescue Plan Act funding to complete renovation of a boat ramp at the park north of Shenandoah on Highway 48. County Conservation Director John Schwab made the request, providing a history of issues surrounding the ramp, which is actually the end of a gravel road leading into one of the park's lakes. My understanding is when we first acquired Rat Park, the boat ramp we have now is just, it's the old quarry road that went to the quarry. Um, and all we did was come down and we put some more gravel on it. We probably spent three to 5,000 every year on either excavation work or bringing in more gravel or cleaning it out. Um, so it's one of those where it's, it's kind of nickel and diamond us every year. It's easy to launch your boat, recovering it is an issue. 
Page County Supervisor Jacob Holmes cast the loan dissenting vote. Holmes argued spending ARPA funding for the project was not wise, and the money could be better spent on other needs, such as road and bridge repair. We've got roads that are mass and holes and safety issues. We like to talk about safety. I think the roads, the trouble we have there, are roads that are ground up that need put back are more important than this nice thing of fishing. I understand this would be great and nice, and I'm taking my boys fishing tomorrow night. So, but I think this is more of a want than a need, and we can wait to make sure we've got our our needs covered. While saying the ramps project's price tag is expensive, Supervisor Chuck Morris motioned to approve Schwab's request for two reasons. Ramp Park is recreation that serves uh, not only our county residents, but I've heard multiple compliments about boating and fishing from our veterans out there. Uh, Secondly, I think historically we have probably as a board underfunded conservation over the years. And uh, I would I would make a motion to approve. Schwab later told KMA News boat ramp construction is expected to begin around Labor Day weekend. By unanimous vote, the supervisors approved County Conservation's other request to use $6,000 in reserve funds for new playground equipment at the county's parks. Schwab says the money actually entails grants from the Clarinda and Shenandoah Foundations. After months of exploration and discussion, Montgomery County officials moved forward this week on inspection services for a proposed CO2 pipeline. By unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a resolution selecting Snyder & Associates of Atlantic as the engineering firm inspecting Montgomery County's portion of Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express pipeline, stretching over 700 miles across western Iowa. Plans called for signing a letter of intent with the company, with action on a formal contract at a later date. The supervisor's action followed presentations from three prospective firms in recent months, the most recent of which was Snyder's, whose pitch took place late last month, as you'll recall. Supervisor Donna Robinson made the motion to select Snyder, citing the company's location, among other factors, in its favor. Being somewhat local, they've got more of a vested interest. They have worked before with company or with with these situations there this is not new to them i was extremely impressed with the information they gave us tuesday morning's action followed several minutes of discussion during which supervisor michael olson urged the board to move forward on an inspection firm as well as on an ordinance governing carbon pipeline project i just feel that we need to move on this ASAP and get somebody in here that knows what's going on that's dealt with this fully to help us uh, with a, a resolution or an ordinance. Resolutions don't happen overnight. Supervisor Charlotte Smith argued a preference to delay action until after the upcoming Iowa State Association of Counties meeting. Robinson agreed that hearing from another county official regarding the pipeline project could be helpful. I think it'll be interesting to have conversations with other supervisors and or engineers from across the state specifically maybe look at the map of the pipeline and, and seek those those individuals out of people from those counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have touched base with a few here and there. I mean, I had reached out to Crawford County a while back and talked to them, and I know there's been conversations in Page and so on. So I think that would be beneficial. Robinson, however, also agreed with Olson's contention that outside input would have no bearing on whom the county selects as its inspection company. Two major check presentations highlighted Tuesday night's Shenandoah City Council meeting. 
Members of the Forum to Revitalize Shenandoah presented a check totaling $1,000 to Shenandoah Public Library in honor of Rosemary Ravel Morrow's family. Rosemary and husband Phil Morrow are members of the Kansas City Barbecue Society, which sanctioned the first-ever Shenandoah Shendig barbecue competition late last month. Shendig Committee Co-Chair Mace Henson says Rosemary visited the library as a child and worked there as a teen. Henson says that experience influenced her career choice. She moved to Kansas City and worked in a large public library system in Kansas City, then to a medical library, and then to one of the largest law libraries in the Kansas City area. Currently working at the University of Kansas Medical Center in the Department of Biostatistics and Data Sciences, utilizing the skills she learned in the library starting here in Shenandoah. For Rosemary, the library donation and the barbecue competition were dreams come true. It is absolutely, without a doubt, one of the greatest success stories in my lifetime. It's something that I will remember for a very long time. Definitely a dream fulfilled, and several people have used the term epic for the barbecue contest that we held, and... I can agree with that wholeheartedly. It was epic. In addition, Forum President Natalie Kirsch presented a separate check to the city totaling $2,180 for next year's Independence Day fireworks show at Sportsman's Park. Kirsch says the donation included money raised from the star-spangled Shenandoah's pie contest and auction, as well as contributions from five sponsors, Elm Street Grill and Chief Darren, Wallen Plumbing and Heating, Crowley Construction, Tri-Valley Bank of Essex and Randolph, and Fairway Grocery Store, Shenandoah. At that same meeting Tuesday night, the Shenandoah City Council approved the solicitation of bids for demolition and cleanup activities at four properties, 101 North Center, 113 University Avenue, and 1213 and 1215 West Valley Avenue. The theft investigation in Shenandoah netted two arrests last weekend. Shenandoah police say 54-year-old Richard James Linfor of Shenandoah was arrested Sunday on two counts of third-degree burglary, felon in possession of a firearm, and second-degree theft, all Class D felonies, plus possession of burglarous tools and accessory after the fact, both aggravated misdemeanors. He was also charged with fourth-degree criminal mischief, a serious misdemeanor, and interference with official acts, a simple misdemeanor. Linfor's arrest stems from an investigation which began at around 3.30 Sunday afternoon when officers were called to the 100 block of West Sheridan Avenue for a theft report. Linfor was taken into custody after officers served several search warrants. He's being held without bond in the Page County Jail. Police say that same investigation led to the arrest of 48-year-old Jeffrey Dean Edder of Red Oak for third-degree burglary, a Class D felony, and accessory after the fact an aggravated misdemeanor. Edder was released from the county jail after posting $7,000 bond. The Montgomery County Sheriff's Office and Red Oak Police assisted Shenandoah Police in the investigation and issuance of search warrants. Also this week, the former city clerk of Silver City was sentenced to 10 years in prison after pleading guilty to stealing money from the city. The Mills County Attorney's Office announced Monday that 44-year-old Artema Madeline Gray pled guilty to first-degree theft, a Class C felony. 
Following statements from current and former city officials, Gray was sentenced to 10 years in prison. In May, Gray was arrested on multiple charges following an investigation that revealed over $61,000 of improper disbursements, including over $42,000 in personal purchases with a city credit card, nearly $11,000 in unauthorized payroll, and $545 to Gray's personal internet bill. The arrest was the result of a multi-year investigation by the state auditor's office in cooperation with local authorities. In May, state auditor Rob Sands said the city had not implemented checks and balances that his office recommended in 2018. If you have somebody who has too much power, then they can abuse that power. And so we always recommend that they uh, segregate duties so that different people are involved in different parts of handling money and uh, things like that that essentially take away the opportunity for people uh, to commit acts of embezzlement. The improper transactions covered a period from May 2017 through April 2021. A leading area economist this week said developments in China negatively affected KMA Land's economy. That's according to Creighton University economics professor Dr. Ernie Goss, who reflected on the latest Rural Main Street Economic Index for August on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning. Based on the survey of bank CEOs in 10 Midwestern states, the overall index fell for a fifth straight month, sinking below growth neutral for a third consecutive month. The region's overall rating dropped from 46.0 in July to 44.0 in August. Goss is one of the factors behind the slumping index involves Chinese purchases of regional farmland and food processing facilities. He says more than 9 out of 10 bank CEOs regard Chinese purchases as a threat to the regional economy. We're seeing the uh, Chinese increase buying land, particularly we saw it in uh, North Dakota recently. And the bankers see that as a big threat uh, as they buy food processing facilities. Uh, we see some of the big food processors are owned by the Chinese. Of course, that gives them flexibility. And one of the real problems by Xi Jinping, the head of the Chinese Communist Party and head of uh, the government there, does not respond as we think of it in terms of economic pressures. In other words, his goal is not to maximize economic well-being. It's authoritarianism. And that's not something we understand. Additionally, after 23 straight months of expanding farm equipment sales, Goss's purchases plummeted this month. Farmers are just pulling back on their purchases, buying used equipment. Farmers see ahead, looking ahead, uh, weaker uh, commodity prices. Even with, even that said, though, of course, agricultural commodity prices remain uh, fairly solid compared to last year, but they've certainly headed downward, and farmers are bracing for that. They're pulling back on uh, farm equipment sales, and this is the first time in two years we've recorded a number below growth neutral. Despite concerns over continuing drought in the region, Goss says projected yields for corn and soybean crops are a bright spot. When you look at the overall situation, the USDA, for example, still expecting pretty good yields, for example, corn above 100, 170 bushels per acre, so they're still pretty positive, USDA that is, about the outlook for commodity yields. And that's a good thing, of course. While saying the recent decline in gas prices is helping the overall economy, Goss says the decrease could be short-lived. Once the U.S. government gets out of the business of selling the surplus oil, that I expect prices to rise again. Now, we're out of the big driving season, so oil prices are not as high as we've seen, of course. But we'll probably see those move in this range. That's good for the uh, economy, but in terms of 
confidence, not so good. However, the report indicates the business confidence index rose from 26.0 in July to 38.0 this month. Preliminary work continues in a comprehensive study of the Red Oak School District's facilities. Back in June, the Red Oak School Board selected Alley Pointer Macedo Architecture of Omaha to conduct the survey encompassing the current facility needs and develop an outline for the next five to ten years. Architect Derek O'Neill told the board late Monday afternoon that the work is underway on the study's where are we now phase, including assessments of the existing facilities. As far as the you know, the envelope, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, technology, code, accessibility, site analysis. We've done all that for all of the sites with the exception of the central office. Um, we've done the walkthrough and visual inspection of the activities fields. So at the high school, uh, here at the high school complex and the Legion Park complex. O'Neill says the preliminary assessments have already pinpointed two major needs, including roof repairs at Inman Elementary School. You have what we call old Inman roof, so that's the original part of Inman, not the 2000 bond piece, but the original part of Inman. That roof is significantly deteriorated and should be on your a full replacement schedule for next year, uh, next summer. And then there is a masonry repair concern uh, window on the east side of Inman. This fall, O'Neill projects the study will shift into the where we want to go phase, including meetings and surveys with various district personnel and stakeholders. One area the survey is expected to address involves so-called life safety issues. Board President Brett Blackman requested a closed session meeting with local law enforcement to discuss security issues. It's something we really don't want public on how we are addressing security, especially after what's happened in Texas and some of these other schools. I think the board would feel more comfortable if we had met, would meet sometime with law enforcement. Along those lines, O'Neill plans to participate in a webinar offered by the American Institute of Architects Iowa chapter August 30th regarding school security and funding. Continuing updates and discussion on the facility study is expected at future board meetings. Clarenda school officials are looking for some local residents to participate in a very important committee. Meeting in regular session Wednesday evening, the Clarenda School Board approved a resolution allowing residents with site logic to meet with the district's facility engagement group, one of the first steps toward a comprehensive facility study. Clarenda School Superintendent Jeff Privia tells KMA News between 30 to 50 community members are needed to participate in the engagement group in a series of meetings with SiteLogic as part of the continuing probe of the district's building needs. They'll have about five meetings. They'll report to our facilities committee for the school, and they'll report to the admin team, and they'll do a little presentation for us. We'll also have them do a presentation for the board. It's just to get the community's ideas what our facility should look like, what things would they like to see improved. I'm sure SiteLogic will go over with them things that need to be improved immediately. Privia says the engagement committee meetings are in addition to other sessions of the district's administrators and a volunteer group of teachers allowing for input from all sectors of the district, Privy expects the meetings to continue into early November. I'm hoping by, you know, the 1st of November, the middle of November, we have a solid concrete plan of what they're suggesting for us after talking to all the committees and our presentation to the board and see where that leads us as far as what we need to update. Anyone interested in serving on the facilities engagement group should contact the Clarinda School District. That wraps up this week in KMA Land.
Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com. You can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News in Shenandoah.